0: Welcome to A Window on Samri, where we take you inside South Australia's independent not-for-profit health and medical research institute. Each episode, we get to know the people driving our life-changing research, getting into what motivates them personally and how their work is delivering a brighter, healthier future for all. Joel, tell us about
1: growing up in Cuba. Oh, it was a, a lot of fun, actually. So... Like every other kid, I have a lot of freedom there. So in Cuba, the actual kids are like king. I have a lot of freedom. There was a life quite different from here. It was a life that all the kids were like in the street playing with each other. Uh, We play, you know, with marbles or baseball, which is the natural sport in there. All the neighbors were outside, you know, taking care of each other. So we go to school, came back, mom sent us out and we were were quite safe playing around. That's as a kid. Then as a teenager or adolescent, I, I really enjoyed it as well there. There's a lot of folklore in there. There's a lot of like dancing and parties, and um, I really have a lot of fun. A lot of nature as well. I'm pretty keen into nature, so I did a lot of like snorkeling and spear fishing. It's quite healthy Cuba to live and to grow up, especially in the era that I grew up, which the country was in a little bit better shape than what it is now. But yeah, it's I wouldn't change it for the world. It sounds like a fun nice place, place. Yeah, it was
0: dancing a lot of fun. and playing games and
1: all the good stuff. Mm, yep. Yeah. <laughs> So it must have been hard to leave then. Yeah, kind of you get used to it already. I've been out since uh, the year 2000, so like 20 something years. But yeah, I guess you grew up and you made your life in the place that you are. I met my own family here after a while. It's been a bit of a journey actually. I didn't went from Cuba. I came from Cuba straight here to Australia. I um, finished my uni uh, degree over there. And that was in 1999. And then after that, after working for a year and a bit there, I decided to migrate, and I migrated to Chile, I have a cousin there, and she said, you know, if you come in here, you can, you can try. We, we help you just to, you know, to get up on your feet. After a while of being there, contacted a friend that I have from uni, and she mentioned that there is um, in the lab that she was just working in the University of Chile in Santiago, there they was a position, so the supervisor that she had has a job in there. And it was quite different to what I had done in uni. Because you've more, done microbiology. I had done microbiology in Cuba. So this was more working in the cell death. So cell biology, understanding how cell death uh, died. I went and met the guy. And then I said, look, actually, I have no much idea about this, but <laughs> I'm willing to work hard and I'm a hard worker. So I can, you know, catch up and, and learn and hopefully contribute to to the lab. I don't know what the guy saw in me, maybe because of my friend, you know, he had a very, very good opinion of my friend, or I don't know, I him some confidence or something. Like your honesty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then he gave me the job. I, it was really good, so that was the first sort of like research job that I have as a research assistant, uh, and I really like it. I had to work hard because uh, I need to label. Me learning from scratch. Learning from scratch yeah. sort of thing. But they were very supportive, my supervisor there, Felipe Barros, and uh, and the friends, my colleagues in there, they were very supportive. So to a point that I really enjoy what I was just doing, I, I fall in love and I wanted more. So then I decided to take it a step further and just challenge me a little bit more and do a PhD degree. So what was it that you found so interesting about it? It's just the way that you do science. So I'm very inquisitive as a person. So I always like, since I was a kid, knowing how things work, you know, I just... Get like a clock or a radio and just pull it apart always kind of have my mom in head toes because I was always getting in trouble so my curiosity but I grew out of that and then I found there in in Chile when I was just working that I could do that for a living Uh, the research that I was just doing allowed me to be inquisitive Mm -hmm. and to uh, challenge myself and investigate how things work how you know the human body works and how it functions so and science uh, is a great puzzle it is a great console. You can't now, so. really solve it. Exactly. I, so I basically is like being myself, but doing that for a living and being paid for it. So yeah, my inquisitive nature, I think is the thing that just put me into this path of
0: like being a researcher. So then you were thinking, I'm going to do cell death <laughs> stuff now instead. And then I'm going to go to Australia as well. What was behind your decision
1: to go to Australia? It was always an exotic place to, to 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 go. Well, I discovered a couple of things during the, the research assistant job as a scientist. One is that um, science in general is communicated using English. So it's the universal language of science. So if you write an article that other people in France or in Japan are going to read, that's in English. If you go to an international meeting to discuss your results, that's in English my English wasn't there. So I thought, all right, let's, uh, if I'm going to do this challenge, let's uh, learn that in the way as well. So, so to progress your career, you had to learn yes. English somehow. Yeah, that was a, a must that I realized that I, you know, struggle with uh, reading papers or writing the home papers because it wasn't fluent uh, in, in the language. So America was very maybe convenient because of location, but never wasn't very interested. And, and Australia, I always like I always like all the movies that you see, um, you know, Cocorilo Dandy, all the crazy things that you have in here in terms of nature-wise. So I say, why not? If we're going to do it, let's do it in style. So I contacted a few people in here in Australia that did some research that was similar to what I, I was doing there in Chile. And one of them, Professor Barrett, here at Flinders University, said, yeah, you could be a, a good addition into the lab. So he encouraged me to apply for a scholarship, which I, I did, and that gave me the means to come here to Australia. And um, Were you
0: disappointed when it wasn't very much like Crocodile Dundee in Adelaide?
1: <laughs> uh, I was mind blown. actually. I really like it. Yeah, everything was like big, spacious, and clean, and and the character of the people was quite similar to Cuba in terms of they were joyful and open and willing to help. Um, not much the experience that I have in Chile, I think maybe because of their history. They were a little bit more more enclosed and I kind of was missing a little bit that side of things. So I, I really like, I, I fall in love immediately when I came to Australia. So it yeah. was what it was cracked up to be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And more. Beautiful. is <laughs> still,
0: yeah. And so that was Stuart Braley, who yeah. also works at Samri, that you... No, Couldn't no, no. Then or that was later?
1: No, that was later. I, I guess like when you finish your uh, honest studies, you just go straight into your work in research. But for me, it didn't happen like that. I, I kind of like took out the two that took me like 10, 12 years, first starting from Chile. Then the PhD, which was with uh, Barrett, at, uh, Greg Barrett at Flinders University. And then when I was just finished there, I met Stuart Briley. Uh, he was a um, senior postdoc in the visceral Pain Research lab, which uh, Lab. Which was located at the Royal uh, Hospital at uh, the IMBS. So he had just got an um, NHS grant and was looking for a new postdoc. We met, we met in another colleague' lab doing some experiments, and then he just mentioned that possibility. and He said, "Look, I work in in the gut. Uh, we work in visceral pain. We are interested in to know why people that have chronic uh, painful disorders um, they experience chronic visceral pain." I say, "What?" Well, Really don't know much about it, but I'm pretty keen and I'm a hard worker.
0: So you developed a bit of a habit of this, hadn't you? Where you went from one area to a completely different one that you didn't really have much experience in, but you found it to be fascinating, or you just something about it you knew that's what you wanted to go into.
1: Yes. So I think we we had good talks before I started working in the lab with the steward, and then I guess he saw some techniques and things that I had learned that could be valuable to be in the lab, or or maybe my optimism. It's uh, just your charm. <laughs> I don't know. So but yeah, I think we make a very good team from the beginning. So that was his first uh, grant. Then it was myself and then another uh, girl working there at Andrea. That was back at the Royal Adela Hospital. But then in 2014, we just moved to summary And then ever since we have been uh, you know, growing, we are like eight or nine people in the lab now uh, without counting students. Sometimes they're like two or three students floating around. So yeah I'm pretty happy with where I go. I think when I got to that point to working in the lab, it all came together all the previous um, experience that I had before, the techniques that I learned uh, and then learning a new thing which I was really interesting you know, uh just click, yeah, it made me be a researcher forever that's what I'm doing, and we kept doing
0: and chronic pain's your focus now. Tell us about the personal family connection that you have to chronic pain and Endometriosis specifically?
1: Yeah, so I, I do have. So I have two sisters. I'm, I'm the boy of the family. And they both suffered of like chronic pelvic pain when they were growing up. Then later on in life, they were diagnosed that they have endometriosis. And I, I kind of still remember seeing them, especially my older sister, you know, curled in bed with a lot of pain um, that didn't let her go to school or going out with the friends to have fun. That always like marked me. So at the beginning, when we started working with the steward in the lab, it was more uh, work related with the gut. So what happened with people that have pain coming from the gut and that's uh, associated with uh, uh, diseases like a irritable bowel disease, inflammatory, like irritable bowel disease. Then I thought about just pushing my own line to research pain related with endometriosis. And that happened through the encouragement and support of my supervisor. You wanted to switch from IBS
0: looking at irritable bowel disease and irritable bowel syndrome to endometriosis because you had this family connection and they're both chronic visceral pains. So you figured I can use what I'm learning over here to research IBD.
1: I can take that and do endometriosis instead. That is exactly. So due to this uh, family uh, situation that I have, that I was vivid in my mind, I thought, well, this could be a good opportunity, just learn the research that we had done in the GAD that can be equally applicable to diseases like endometriosis. And so uh, that's what I just decided doing, and I've been working in that in the last four years. Mm. So why is it so important to you to
0: to work on this issue and to try to come up with a new therapy for women who are
1: suffering with endometriosis it it is a terrible disorder so i mean basically it affects around 11 percent of the women's worldwide and the treatments are pretty drastic and they're actually not very efficient so you can uh, treat the disease by putting the women's on hormonal treatment by giving the pill but that's not good in the long term especially if you want to form a family and so forth Uh, The other way of treating this disease is like removing these uh, lesions that are formed inside the peritoneal cavity. Surgery. With surgery. surgery. And that could be quite drastic because uh, basically by the time that the women start developing these lesions to the time that they are being diagnosed with the disease, it can be like seven years in average. So all throughout that time, these lesions are growing and they could be quite significantly big in that case the surgery is quite invasive and you had to remove sometimes even the whole uterus. Uh, so basically the treatments that are now are quite invasive and they compromise the fertility. So what we wanted to do is do something different. We want to find the first step in the pain which is the nerves that innovate these organs that are affected during endometriosis and we wanted to know how that works. We wanted to know how the signal that is being sent at any given time into the brain has changed and that's why you perceive pain. And we want to uh, attack that, uh, to target that, to be able just to block that signal and then offer relief. So that's basically a strategy that I have in the lab. And what have you learned so far about how that all works? <laughs> well. It's pretty interesting, so these nerves are innervated, uh, all the organs, and they are formed by different channels and proteins that basically, like in the brain, they, through electrical stimulus, just send information from one neuron to another one. Uh, This communication is a bit bigger, so it goes from the periphery, which is a particular organ, like the female reproductive tract or the bladder or the colon, and they go all the way into the spinal cord and in the brain. Now, how the secretory works is governed by um, these proteins or ion channels, for example, that are sensing this pain. So they activate, they send the signal into the brain, and then you feel that. By knowing what sort of channels uh, are involved in this process, we can then apply pharmacological treatments and block them. Mm -hmm. Or by knowing the pathway that they work, we can intervene in different steps of these pathways and then stop that signal for traveling up and for the women's feeling So this is
0: specifically focusing on the pain element rather than stopping the lesions actually growing in the first place. That's something different?
1: Yes, I know. So that's the first step. But then by knowing exactly how all these lesions develop, for example, there is a big inflammatory environment during these lesions, and this inflammatory environment directly affects the nerves but at the same time, allow these lesions to grow. One of the strategies that we are assessing is how to reverse this uh, process by um, stopping the nerve growing into those lesions. So basically, if we can have like a double strategy by stopping how they grow... The nerves are linked to the lesions. The nerves are linked to the lesions. So the nerves are the key. Yes, the nerves are Uh the key. So we attack the nerves that are growing into those lesions, and then we are trying attack the signal that traveled through. It we fix th- both problems. We could fix both problems. Mm-hmm.
0: So what are the barriers to progressing in this area of research?
1: I guess like time, funding, it, it all takes time. So this is, um, like a big puzzle of the puzzle. We are one of the pieces of the puzzle. We make a lot of effort to try to investigate these little components within the whole scheme. We form groups, we get collaborators that work in different areas, uh, clinicians on board to translate our um, uh, discoveries that we do. Maybe one day we just like can translate this into a clinical trial that hopefully can help. And that's the whole, That's the aim of the work that we do.
0: Because ultimately you're talking
1: about creating a new drug. Yes, a new treatment based on a, um, maybe a drug or a combination of drugs. But that's the whole aim, the goal. It's just creating a, a drug that can be effective, that without the need of surgery, you can treat this pain, you can stop these lesions from growing, and calm this nerve, and therefore you suffer relief in the endometriosis. Which would change so many women's yeah. lives. So many women's, I think it's like 11% of the women's worthwhile that are suffered of this disorder, and it's quite crippling. They would stop them to do their chores, their day after day life, they... Stopped them to go to work, they stopped them to have a family. So it is a significant problem, which is quite underestimated. So and it was dismissed. So before, because of this happening inside you and the, the women's and you cannot see it, they just blame it that there was um,
0: period pain. Period or...
1: pain and that sort of thing. They were hysteria, but that's not true. There is a whole amount of things happening those lesions growing and it's excruciating pain that they're going through. And that wasn't very, until very recently. acknowledged until very recently, actually, the health minister in the year 2000, he just like put a big campaign to acknowledge this, to increase the awareness of this disease, give a lot of funding, which have benefit from it, actually. I have a, applied to a fund from the government that allowed, gave me like three years funding to research this, this issue. I'm pretty happy about that
0: yeah well done so what are you hoping for in terms of a time frame that you might be able to progress towards clinical trials i know it's impossible to really predict that but if you could say generally
1: the sooner the the better but i don't think that would be in the near future so maybe five years um we can start okay but it's not decades away no it's not decades away no no no
0: and you want to be someone who's at the forefront of making that happen We would love to yeah well we'd love to it's a great goal to have and Mm. it would make such an impact if you could and it sounds like you're already starting to really understand how those Mm. pieces fit together but it's not that it's not a simple thing is it to to actually
1: translate it into a, a therapy it is not it is not but we're getting there so i guess uh through our research which we disseminate by publishing we I got contact with this uh, by this French group which is study in this particular pathway. They do actually have a drug uh, to treat cancer, but the way that this drug acts, uh, which is very similar to endometriosis, we thought that we can combine it together and repurpose this drug for the treatment of endometriosis. And I had done some preliminary experiments already, and it looks like it worked really good. So hopefully, that will fast track this um, sort of a treatment. So we. I put a patent together uh, with this, which is just now going, and hopefully that will translate after we really study the whole mechanisms of how this uh, treatment acts through. We can take it a step further into hopefully a treatment.
0: That's the ideal, isn't it? Mm. When there's already a drug available on the market that can be used for another application and cuts the wait time significantly. That would be great. So how does working at Samory help your
1: research? Oh, well, it helped a lot. I don't think I would be able to do what I do if I was in a summary. So I guess it have the, one of the best places that I have found in my wander around in terms of like having the right scientific community and the right infrastructure to the research that I do. So there is a, a lot of core facilities in there that allow to do everything so you don't have to have everything in your lab. You go to level five and then you can do this particular experiment without having to buy the whole equipment. But also the, the community of people that are in there so you can brainstorm with them. You can discuss things. You can go to seminars that summer organized uh, and learn a lot of things. It's also placed in a very good place in the North Terrace uh, Health and precinct which are, we help a lot in terms of like having the UniSA and Union the hospital mm-hmm. and other centers just coming that around. collaboration is very unique. The collaboration unique. is very unique. The infrastructure that I have access is best to But also, somebody support a lot of the researches, a lot of the research that we do as we make career investigators and, for example, like these very things that we are doing in here. I normally won't be able to do this unless I write a paper and I put it in a scientific journal. But not many people gonna go and look at that, they may be looking at this a bit more. So the support that they do, for example, like as a part of the break campaign, right campaign, is um is remarkable. So that'll give us the chances to express what we do for people to know and maybe in the future to get some help back, some people that'd be interested in to help and support our research. Yeah, as I say, this is uh, unique from summary, at least in my experience. And I wouldn't be able to do the work that I do if I wasn't in there. It's fantastic.
0: I guess it's what every scientist wants is a, a great team mm. and a great problem to
1: work on solving. Yeah. And having the support of the institution. And I think I have both, I mean, the three of them. And that's what's kept you in Adelaide? Yes. Um, well, dad, the climber, my wife, my kids, is the whole lot. I, I'm not going, i just put in roots in here little by little. So, yeah. uh, so you I'm would have never
0: anywhere. seen yourself laying down roots in Adelaide, having grown up in Cuba? I have no idea what Adelaide was
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I grew up. I knew Australia, I knew Cocorillo Dandy and all the other <laughs> things, but I have no idea what Adelaide was. You go where life take you, and then, yeah, depending how you feel, you stay there. You grow up, you evolve. I'm a very different person than I was before, I guess. Yeah, but Adelaide, it's good. Well, i glad place. you
0: chose Adelaide. We're happy to have you. <laughs> Thank you. And what do you like to spend your time on outside of? work in
1: your rare bit of free time that you have in the rare bit of <laughs> it's very rare between work and my kids uh they I suck out of my my time but <laughs> i do have some hobbies i have some uh guilty pleasures i i love making my own beer uh, i love drinking it but then i love making it and that's actually kind of like a bit of experiment as well this is what we do i um, can't stop doing science mm. <laughs> so i had a i made i have a good friend from work and he was keen in doing all of this i used to do my own wine before mm. but then he got me into beer so we started just like putting our equipment together and fermenting and trying all of these cheese strains and all of that and it turned out really good uh, so i developed quite a passion for that and i have my own cake and fridge in the backyard and cool. every time that i can um so it tastes good I think so. <laughs> try to convince your friends; it's just yeah, as good, yeah. as... It's it? Tastes good. My benefits. Lo- my my neighbors love it, and my friends too. So. Oh, they get free beer. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's good. I do a little bit of fishing as well. I used to do a speed fishing in Cuba, but too many sharks in here and too yeah. to cold the water, so and that's no good. So I'm so more just with a rod, with rod, with the rod, <laughs> yeah. with the rod so. on a boat or the jetty. Oh, the jetty mainly, or yep. just going to Ponolanga, to the river mouth, or mm. um, down to the Coron, mm. that sort of thing. And camping as well? Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I do that by myself or with the kids. So, uh, I mean, when it's a little bit remote, I'll go without them. They're small, uh, five and nine. Although the nine years old is just saying, come on, take me with you, which I think I will do next summer. Uh, but yeah, camping is, is, is the great thing. Where do you go camping? Oh, we go local a lot. Uh, we go a lot to the other peninsula, to the bottom, to the uh, uh, Innes National Park. Because of the gifts, we haven't travelled too much in the camping, but we, I go a lot of to the Gurong as well, uh, to camp over there. It's great. Okay. The so make sure you get
0: some space away yes. from work. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> great. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story, Joel. And it's so cool that you've come all the way from mm-hmm. Cuba to Adelaide and then you're studying such an important area of of research that we desperately need some some new treatments for and i'm really glad that you're working on it and you're part of the samri team and yeah it's great to chat to you so thanks for coming in thank you (laughs) if you want to learn more about samri and the researchers working to build a brighter healthier future for you and your family head to samri.org.au